This is The Deal with Nisim Black. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nisim Black, a.k.a. Godsman, a.k.a. the Black Abe Lincoln, a.k.a. Hitler's Worst Nightmare. I'm from Seattle. I was born to hip-hop parents, got in trouble as a kid, and was able to make a major turnaround. I began my journey as a Muslim. I became a Christian in my teens, only to discover that my soul was Jewish all alone. So I grabbed my wife and my kids, and we packed up and moved to Israel, where we are today. What I want to do here is, is have great discussions with people about culture, religion, hot social topics through the lens of my faith, and whatever else burns in my heart. And I really want to disrupt reality as we know it. So my first guest is Kylie Younell. She's a doctoral student in Jewish thought at NYU and the founder of Rooted, a community of millennial and Gen Z Jews who come together to explore Jewish tradition. You may have seen her article in the JTA titled, Don't Call Me a Jew of Color. And now, let's get to Kylie. a wonderful, wonderful guest here with me today, Kylie Yunel. I want to be able to bring her on to tell us a little bit something about herself. She gets the most patience of the of the year award from me. She just sat up here and waited for me to, <laughs> to get myself together for about half an hour, trying to figure out sound and everything like that. Kylie, how are you? I'm good. I'll await that trophy in the mail. Hopefully in the next, I don't know what shipping is like from Israel to America, but hopefully it's pretty quick. <laughs> And you know what? It's moving kind of slow. And I know it's moving slow because I, you know, I have a new whiskey I've been selling, like, and we've been having a lot of shipments from Israel. So everybody's asking me, like, we're like, yeah, 10 days or something like that, because they told us it would be 10 days. You know, we're going on, like, day 15. So you be getting yours in about 16, 17 days. <laughs> My trophy? I'll wait for that. <laughs> How are you? How are you? Good. Thank God. I'm really good. I'm excited to be here and having this conversation. No, me too. Me too. I want to I wanna ask you just to tell a little bit about yourself. I hate when everybody asks me that, so I couldn't wait to ask <laughs> somebody else, oh, please tell us about yourself, you know. I'm a Jew from a suburb in Kansas called Overland Park, Kansas. I lived there for about 11 years, and my mom decided that American Jewish life was not exactly what she wanted for her three daughters. And so she picked us up, we made Aliyah, and we moved to Israel, where I lived for four years. A lot of experiences there. Then we picked up, moved back to America, and I lived in North Carolina, and then I, I moved to New York. My mom is Jewish, my dad is Black, so I'm biracial, but always grew up in the Jewish world and have really been able to explore my Judaism in different ways, although I don't think I really saw it as exploring my Judaism. But I grew up in a household that really emphasized the place of God in life. And that's been a really motivating force for me. I don't think it's possible for me to give over my life story without God having a place in it. Right. Went to NYU. I got my undergrad degree in American Jewish history through a lot of twists and turns and am now getting my PhD in Jewish philosophy and also just trying to bring 
without the joy in Judaism and in being a Jew and the love of God that awaits. It sounds so corny. No, but no. Like if you get it, you get it. <laughs> like the love of God that awaits every person, you know? It's real, you know? Even myself, you know, I would say like this. I remember, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in meditation and one day I was just sitting there just like thinking about purpose. What's my purpose? God, you gave me a lot of talents. You gave me a lot of gifts and, and I have to obviously use those things. But like, What's my purpose? What am I going to contribute to the world? Not enough people actually think about that, especially when you think about it like from a perspective of what does God want from me? What my conclusion was, was I want to reveal the love of God in the world. Most people that have, it's because it wasn't the relationship with God that they ever really had. It may have been with the gatekeepers of God, whether it was the pastor, the rabbi, the this, the that. And so their whole entire experience is shaped off of the relationship that they had and they don't know from the love of God. That's a whole nother story, right? It's entirely personal and it's entirely in you. And you actually don't have to try that hard to get to it, which is really confounding. That seems like so ridiculous. What do you mean? Like God is what everybody's talking mm -hmm. about. I don't have to try to get to it. And it's like, no, you really don't. Like <laughs> right. whatever religion you are, you can read the book of your people and like have an experience with God. You can have your thoughts, you can, your desires, your everything, your passions, the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you sadness, those are all expressions of God and, and indicators of what your purpose is. But there's such a lack of self-trust today. And I think if I'm thinking about what it is that I'm like really put here to do, I don't know if I have that totally figured out, but a lot of it is really helping people understand that by being themselves, by doing the things that come so naturally to them, they are living their purpose. And a lot of people think that if you're a Jew, you have to look a certain way and do certain things. And that's how you become a good Jew. But it, it's a total misnomer because being who God created you to be is what you're supposed to do as a Jew. No, you just have to be you. So growing up in the community now, was it a conservative, reform, modern Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, Hasidish? I mean, you know, yeah. in, in terms of your the flavor of, yeah. of Judaism, what was it that you were brought up? So I was brought up in a traditional home, I guess. My mom grew up very just American Jewish suburban Jew. And she wasn't satisfied with that. And she always had very spiritual inclinations and was drawn to Israel and things. But it didn't manifest in coming back to religion or being observant fully. So like I grew up not eating milk and meat. I've been in Jewish day school my whole life. She preferred the, like, going to Chabad or an Orthodox shul over anything else. But we also watched TV. I would eat at McDonald's, but we didn't have a cheeseburger. So it was very traditional. But I think the thing <laughs> right. that was very different was that it was so God-centric. You wouldn't even believe. Like, right. anything that had the message of God. I grew up on Kirk Franklin and gospel music. Mm -hmm. Stomp was in the car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's like our family song, <laughs> is which everybody. I mean, the number of Jews I've turned on to Kirk Franklin is I is so high, and I think there's so much healing that's going to be done through Kirk Franklin. You don't even know, but <laughs> between that, you know, <laughs> that's why you're allowed. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know very well. I forget which summer it was, but that song was the that hit was the song of the summer. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, yeah, I just like, there wasn't, and, and, it, and it, the way that it worked out for us was 
That song, Stump, ended up being the hit the year we had the family reunion mm-hmm. in Seattle. Like, you know, in Seattle, every four years it was in Seattle or whatever. So it happened to be that, oh, man, we had the dance, <laughs> we had the T-shirts, we were, you know, that, like you cannot turn on the radio without, I can identify, I can identify. And it brings you closer. Like, that's the power. It's fun. I mean, I, right. I bring it to so many of my Jewish friends, that and Kirk Franklin's new music, mm-hmm. because it brings you closer to God. Like, right. And that's, that's the thing mm-hmm. that I care about most. And that's what my mom gave me was this, deep presence of God in my life. And so we said Shema before we went to sleep and we told God three things that we were grateful for and asked God for things that we wanted. So I I didn't have a full-fledged understanding of what Judaism was and my Mm -hmm. place in it, but I knew my relationship to God. And that was a very strong base point. That's the most important thing. There are many people growing up in every facet of or every fact or section of Judaism that also don't really have a relationship with God, right? Also in other religions, there are people that, especially when it's when it's systemized, even in Islam, I was a I was a Muslim um, as a kid. So you have many people within, and I'm gonna say even the bulk of people um, that you can find can be missing the key element, which is the God piece. Do you think growing up in the environment not being the same color as everybody? And it's and for me, it's a real question because for someone like me who came into it, it's obviously going to have a different experience as opposed to growing up. You're experiencing more closer to what my kids are growing up in. Like, I can't even really identify with my kids because I grew up in schools where everybody looked like me. I lived in neighborhoods and associated with people that looked like me. So to go somewhere and to be either one or one of a few growing up in kids where kids can be also very cruel. Did you have experiences there that, you know, you feel like, you know, shaped you or, no, <laughs> you know, maybe made you feel, no, feel different? Not at all. No, that's amazing. <laughs> no, honest to God, that's I, amazing. I started amazing. feeling different and I didn't even feel different. I started feeling it when I came to New York. I never felt it before. I felt it. I felt it in Israel. Okay. So when I was in wow. Kansas growing up as a kid, that's the thing. Like, We need to be learning from kids. I've seen there's a program that's happening at a synagogue in New York City where they're training, they're doing this this training for children on on seeing differences. And it hurts me so much because we need to be doing the opposite. We need to have first, second, third, and fourth graders be training adults on how to relate to people who are different. Because when I was like, (laughs) you see kids, they just see another person to play with, right? Like I I was hyper aware of color. Every single person had a color. My mom was apricot. I was tan. This person was white. Like everybody had their color. And that's the thing. Everybody does have their color. Right. But it was never, it was never a deal. I was the only mixed kid. I was the only kid of color in my class growing up. And I was just a, I was just a Jew. Like that was the thing. I had I had the Judaism thing. And then I moved to Israel and Israel doesn't have the same level of integration that is in America, right? right, like, right. And in certain parts of America because I don't think New York is supremely integrated. But in Israel it was a question of right. oh, are Ethiopian? Are you Ethiopian? And then I'd say no and then they'd say right. okay, cool. Right. <laughs> That was about it. Or I was asked, I was right, asked right. one point, like somebody, I remember this so well, somebody asked me like, will you like rap for us, dance for us, something like that. I can't do that. Okay. And that was it. And, and it was, it's an, it was annoying. And I for sure held really? on to things like people, I think I didn't, I didn't feel a place to speak up for myself and to say, I am not your 
black person. I'm not your Jay-Z. I'm not your Drake. Like I don't get, you don't get to have me in that way. And I, right. I didn't develop a voice to really speak right. back and, and say, I don't want to be that. But I didn't let it diminish me either. And I'd say I just looked at it as like, that was stupid. <laughs> that was a dumb thing. That was what it was. And and like, right. and, and yeah, I, I kept going and I, I never, I think we have a lot of power over how we choose to see ourselves and how we choose to carry ourselves in situations. Right. And there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of things that we hold on to um, experientially. And I think from past generations, not to diminish that. But I think that if I choose to walk into a situation that is Jewish and see myself as a part of the whole, I'm a part of the mm-hmm. whole because I see myself that way. Exactly. I agree with you a thousand percent. You said a few different things. So one is the integration piece obviously is huge. New York, like you said, I don't think is that integrated. And New York, in fact, is very segregated, not only inside the Jewish world, but outside the Jewish world. Also, when you look at everything that's happened on a social level over the last few years, the more and more I at the beginning, I was saying it. But now I realize it even more when you see how many different people of color have been divided on so many different social issues, it naturally gets pushed into something political. But like, if you just leave the politics out of it and you just listen to what people are saying, there are people who have had your experience. There are people who had separate, a different experience because they grew up in New York or they grew up in Minneapolis. I think I grew up in Seattle. How much racism am I going to really scream about that actually happened to me? That's not to diminish a person's struggle who may have experienced something in New York or something like that. But if I didn't, like, why do I have to act and create something to make it bigger than what it actually was? Because it, it, it wasn't that for me. Yes. And I feel like, you know, there were systemic things. You know, I've talked about, like, the school situation. And yes, you know, these type of things. But I also have seen people come out of these situations very, very successful. Right. So if I harp on what is and, and, and what's not, you know, if I'm, if I'm already not making use of the things that are available to me, then it already gets rough. My children being in the more Haredi neighborhoods and stuff like this. So they've had to deal with a lot more. Now that we moved to Beit Shemesh, obviously we haven't experienced as much. And in a neighborhood that, minus the children, me and my wife were great. We're fine. But with the children, it's much harder. At the same time, once they've been, once they've experienced integration and they already know that there's differences, they can teach adults. But when they haven't had it, then the kids need to be taught. There were certain points where my kids would go to a playground and it would just clear out. They they dress the same way. They they treat the same way. They've been called names that, you know, I wouldn't even want to mention. For me, it was like processing that because I'm like you. I don't even, I didn't have those type of experience. I didn't even know how to, you know, how to make for it. I don't look for them at right. all. You know what I mean? So I go into a place. Most of the time I walk into a room, I am, you know, one of the few only guys my color, if that. And I don't think, Two things about it, you know? Well, I think, like, I really think what we need is to know that we and my children, God willing, when I have them, your children, I know other people. Actually, you were I, I dropped your name in an article that I wrote because I, I wrote something this summer or this past summer um, about being referred to as a Jew of color and how much I hate that term because I don't want to be defined by the things that are right. negative that have happened in my life and by my skin color in general. I just want to be a Jew. And I think you are somebody who's living that right. also. and. There's a woman right. named Javi Brooke who, who's adopted children, also as a biracial child, Malka Grodin. Anyway, there's all these people. And right now, we're at the front lines. Like, we are the pioneers. Your right. kids are the pioneers who are going to soldier forth, strong in their identity, and know that they're going to get 
some pushback. Like know that it's not going to be easy, but that they're actively changing right. the world just by being them. That people are going to clear out of the playground and be disgusting. But that's just mm -hmm. a part of being a pioneer. Like when you change the world, it's right. not easy and they don't have to do anything to change the world. They're just alive going to the playground as Jews and showing the world that when Mashiach comes, there's not going to be like groupings where it's black people over here, girls in miniskirts over here, guys right. who are <laughs> denim shorts over here. Like we're not going to be grouped off like that. It's right. not going to happen. And right. we're getting to be the people on the front lines who are fighting with love with compassion, with empathy, right. and with like right. inner right. personal strength. It's a total gift. It's what Booker T. Washington talks about this. Frederick Douglass talks about this. You go through and you right. know who you are and you live that and you change the world that way. You don't even have to do that much to change the world. The thing is, is that it's bigger than even just the color, right? It's all, anything that can alienate you or make you different, a person finds himself being a pioneer for something. People do things or not do things because they're afraid of what other people are going to think or what they're going to see, what they're going to do. But when it comes into that space, like we said, of like, you know, Geula, Mashiach coming, and everything, everything good, everybody's going to realize how silly it was that they wasted time arguing about this, arguing about that, chasing after this, chasing after that. Everybody's going to realize how stupid all these different divisions are. Right. If you can tap into a place where you are more God-centered, you're more focused on that, and, and, and that's, that's the reality, the place of what we would really call a munashlem, a full faith, a complete faith, right? To where it's so real to you that almost that relationship, it's like, it's like tangible. It's a place of tranquility in that place. Yeah. And even like trying to educate my children also too. If you're so strong in your point and you are who you are and you hold on to, to the God piece, that's why I'm really trying to give them spirituality. In school, they're going to learn things. They're going to learn Torah and they're going to learn, learn the laws, but they got to learn the panemius of the Torah. They have to learn the deep part of the Torah, which is really that connection. If I can give them that strength, then they're going to realize that if people call them names or people do things like that, they're so strong at their point that it's going to flip itself inside out. It's going to go from people doing that to people wanting to imitate you. Right. You know, <laughs> people wanting to imitate you, wanting to be like you. And we have that type of power. I would just laugh on my wife. My wife was like, you know, you know, some people got more offended, but she was just like, you know, it's really weird that the cleaning guy wants to dress up for you as Purim, you know? <laughs> and I told, I told, I said, what? You know, the rabbi of this yeshiva, he was me last year. And he asked me, he called me and he said, you know, can I, I ran into another kid uh, at the at the grave of the Arizal. He told me he was me one Purim, you know? I like, you know, it's like, what, what, what could it be? Everybody wants to be black these days, you know, all of a sudden they paint on the, the face, you know, whatever. But, but the truth is, you know, I say it as a joke, but it's a real thing. It's like, it means I don't look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as a good thing. And I look at it as that because I'm so strong in my point or whatever, that it's, it's such a thing that people want even want to mimic it, even for a day, even for, for something they would want to be. So, no, I think it's huge. And I really think it's huge. I think there's also a point to be made about the beauty of being Black and Jewish. Like, I think that I have the biggest blessing in the world because I come from two sides of people who were devoted to God. Like, I just come from God right. on both sides. Right. And I come from two sides right. of immense strength. I come from two people right. who were slaves and who right. got out of that and 
who were redeemed, I believe, by God in that and came away with the gift of song, came away with the gift of the spirit, came away with so much that I I, I don't believe that the, the the movement to empower black people is doing a good job at all in doing this. Right. But I, right. I think that I'm just like doubly blessed to have this level of empathy and compassion in me because I've got Fannie Mae Rosier Johnson and Jake Johnson on one side who lived in Cochrane, Georgia on my dad's side and right. Tema Malka right. in Eastern Europe and <laughs> Lithuania on my other side. And these are two people who were deeply oppressed in their lands who came out of that. Right. It's an insane right. gift. It's right. an insane gift. And that's like, that's what we also forget as Jews. And I think what the black community has forgotten also is that Slavery is meant to teach you how to treat other people in the world. It's actually a superpower in its own way. It's right. an unfortunate one. Right. Don't get it me is. wrong, but it's a right. superpower. That's we are we right. are reminded almost every day that we were slaves in Egypt because that's how you stay compassionate. That's how you bring people together in this world. We are forgetting it constantly as a community. But this idea that we need to focus on racism and all these negative things that have happened that's not that's not how you empower people my my kids aren't going to be empowered knowing that somebody called me a name once or told me to dance like right. that's not going to do anything that's going to make you it's going to make you more angry right. this is going to exactly. make you more angry and it's exactly. going to teach anger you know i remember the first time i seen roots i was they taught, they showed us the movie roots in school you know uh and it was just sort of like that did not make me feel any more empowered it just made me angry right. you know my my thought has always been that it is the the lack of dialogue between the two communities and the lack of awareness, right? And I mean that because we spend a lot of time on slavery and different things like that as a kid, but I didn't know anything about like the Holocaust until I started looking for Judaism. Once I actually got on the path of, of Judaism, I didn't know anything about that, which made me start to realize, I don't know how many people in the hood, you know, really where I came from, knew too much about it. And on the flip side, I've ran into many guys that, that learn in Lakewood and everything. And they thought, you know, the African-Americans there were just, you know, African immigrants. And they came here, you know, looking for work. You have no idea yeah. that, uh, anything about slavery. You know, you know how many times I said, no, really? You serious? You know, having a conversation. Like, they don't know. Yeah. It's coming from a place of not really knowing the other person struggle or where they came right. from. Do you think that that's the reason that there's been conflict? You know, primarily, I would say, on the East Coast and maybe where there's communities that are right by each other? Yeah, I think that there's a lot there. I think that that I don't think that we know each other's stories of strength. I don't think that the Black community knows that the Jews went through a Holocaust and in the same decade had the state of Israel, had their own state after six right, million people right, died. Right. Or that right. the African-American community in America created jazz right after slavery or the right. Tuskegee Institute in, right. in Tuskegee, Alabama, a la Booker T. Washington. Like, we don't know the success stories. Even the Ethiopian community, I was talking to somebody recently, made a documentary about his life. I had no idea that there were Jews who were killed in Ethiopia. They ran, they, they left because... They were fleeing for their life, but it was a story of power. We think that the Israelis came in and brought a plane and saved the Ethiopian Jews. The Ethiopian Jews trekked right. to get to Sudan where a plane right. would even come, and that was of their own right. volition. I had no idea of the different right. superheroes in that community who came in and with, from within the Ethiopian community brought that right. people to freedom. I don't know about the superheroes, right. and I think that 
we're spending so much time talking about the negative parts of history. Even the Holocaust. The Holocaust happened. Right. There are so many positive things around us in the Jewish world that also happened that could be focused on that came after the Holocaust. The fact that the Jews created these different thriving worlds. The fact that the Lubavitcher Rebbe created a movement that now has Jews stationed around the world. Like, there's just so many different right. points of of right. such celebration in all of these communities. And we are all so focused on the negative. It's what you're getting everywhere. I, I think that there's a movement right now to disempower people and to not help them see their own value and their own strength because it it's more effective, I guess. I don't know what exactly the end goal is, but it's more effective to weaponize anger than to weaponize love and joy. And I don't even, weaponize love and joy is a bad way of putting it, but it's, you know. It's, I think it sells more. Right. It sells more. It sells in the music industry, it sells in the entertainment right. industry. Whatever can stir up emotion very, very fast, right? And it's really just, it's the matter of the way that people have trained themselves and the way that we've been trained, I would say, even, you know, think about it. I'm a musician. I put something out on YouTube and there's a thousand comments of love and then there's like, one person that's a hater. P people tend to like hang on to the person that didn't like it. And they tend to allow that to be the thing that affect them. It's something about this natural thing inside that's drawn towards negative energy. And even, I would say, even victimhood. Like, you know, being able to place a blame somewhere else or to be upset about something. Like, we just naturally, we know how to deal with that. I grew up like that, you know? Like, it was always easier for me to show my anger and to be upset with someone more than it was for me to apologize or to say I love you or to say I care about you, how you're doing, or to express feelings of concern. Once something comes that is that is positive, uplifting, like we almost just like have a natural thing. Ah, that's not. You I know. think we think. <laughs> I don't think we're trained in feeling like we deserve it. I don't think we I don't think we have a strong right. enough sense of self. Like I, I think we as a society, as a world, have become more passive about our lives and we're waiting for other things to happen to wake us up a little bit more to do things. And I also don't know if we're really taught how to like love ourselves and feel like deserving of the greatest things in this world, which include just basic love from other people, compassion, and to know that you can give that to somebody else. If you don't know your own gifts. It's really hard to share them with somebody else. If you don't know that like your ability to love is a gift, it's hard to share that. And I think also we don't know how to have a loving relationship with God because it's so based on fear. One of the things that I hate is the, the way that people understand Yerash Shemaim, the way that people understand fear of God, as though it's this thing that you're supposed to be like scared of. It's not pachad is fear in right, Hebrew. Pachad right. is to be scared of something. Right, right. Yira is awe. Yira is like, it's not having the words to describe how insane an experience that you're having is. That's vastly different than I'm right. really scared of turning on this light because if I turn this light on in, in Shabbos, God might smite me. I might go down or something's going to happen or he's going to take right. away my salary for a year. We think of Hashem as operating, as God is operating in the world in this like zero-sum game. You have it and it can be taken and then you don't have it anymore. There's only this much that can go around. If right. you do anything, it'll affect things. But that's not how relationships work. That's not how human relation. That's not how healthy human relationships right. work, for sure, right? Like if 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 right. something happens, if your kid breaks something, you might be upset, but you also love them, and you come from a place of such compassion that you're going to use it as an opportunity to teach them or forgive them for it because you're big enough to recognize that that's not who they are. I really want to say appreciate you for coming on. This was like this is probably the highlight of the week so far. That's because. 
at the end of the week is Purim. So, you know, I, I, I give you a very, very, I really, really appreciate it, Kylie. Like, we have got to stay in touch. I would love to speak with you again yes. some more. I really do appreciate this it. This is so fun. I'm so, I really yes. appreciate it. Yes, yes. Let's do it again. <laughs> Next week, same time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> guys this discussion with Kylie was amazing I don't know if you guys felt it but I felt it the girl has fire I actually spoke to her the other day um, since this conversation and she also was just just as much fire then as she was during this discussion and she's amazing and I really appreciate her coming on to the show so I made up for myself that I wanted to play a song that gives over the same feeling that I had when I had the discussion so this song is called Be True. The song was released this past February. And, uh, you know, when you hear it, listen with your ears, but understand it with your heart. Very, very deep words, my big reflection. Until next time, please be strong and only go from strength to strength. I just want to be true. I just want to yeah. be true. I gave everything to you. Brought me closer, I approach you. I used to run away. Gave me a cleaner slate. I know I've been feeling some way, but I ain't hiding. I've been crying. See, it's all in my face. See why you make it so hard for me. Self-sacrificing till my heart breaks free. I used to run up the block, but now I've been running with God. I used to run from the shots, but now I shoot to the stars. Gave up my glory for your told her. You adore me, I'm unworthy. Get me flames for the game. I ain't rapping. This is poetry. How we finish? Historically, I ain't going nowhere. I want to be truthful, please come use me I, I have so much to share I just wanna be true I gave everything to you I, I, I ain't asking for a thing I But I know I'm needing you I, I gave everything for true That's why I'm holding on to you Cause you want more than everything And you're the deepest part of me Yeah, 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 yeah If they behold me, only you know me to the slider, I'm on the first step holding, I just want to be closer, I got plenty room to run, I can't wait till it's over, but they told me to hold up, so I'm back to my grind, but at times I'm feeling like I'm moving in darkness blind, see I remember old times, they could ban at CPs, I was down there on my knees, pause please, please please, he watched me, I'm free, gave me some room to breathe, safe to escape the ski, landscape the green, can't escape the king, tell me now what can I be, cause I ain't going nowhere. I just wanna be true. I just so wanna be true. I gave everything to you. I ain't asking for a thing, but I know I'm needing you. I gave everything for true. That's why I'm holding on to you. Cause you want more than everything. Thank you so much for listening to The Deal with me, Nisim Black. It's a production of the Joshua Network. Our executive producer is Josh Cross. Our producer is Gilad Brownstein. Please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at The Deal with NB. And subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast content. Please share this with your friends so that they can get this raw and riveting stuff from me, yours truly, God's Man. The Joshua Network is now Soul Shop.